Hello and welcome to episode 320 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, and man currently suffering from some pretty nasty spring slash summer allergies, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. How's everybody doing? I'm glad you're here because we are finally getting back to what I really want to make a regular tradition here on Monster Kid Radio, and I'm talking about the Monster Rally Retro Awards, or as we sometimes call them, the rallies. Now, the Monster Rally Retro Awards are designed to honor the best in genre cinema from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. We've been doing it for the past two years, kind of, sort of. And I'll get into what happened a little bit later on when I am joined by Stephen D. Sullivan, old friend of the show, great friend of the show. He's going to be joining me to go over the winners of the Rally Awards from 1932, 42, and 52, and to announce the ballot for the Monster Rally Retro Awards for 1933, 43, and 53. So you're going to want to stay tuned for all of that. It's a great conversation. We go through the ballot. It's not just me reading the ballot and him saying the winner or whatever. There's a lot of commentary thrown in here. I mean, it's a conversation. I can't help but talk monsters when I got a monster kid on the show. It's what we do. You guys and gals know that. Anyway, also in this show, I've got a big announcement that I'm making after all of that. So after the rallies, after the winners from last year, the nominees for this year, there's a big announcement coming up about what's happening with Monster Kid Radio and with me personally. So that'll be happening. You know, I'm going to play the trailers that I normally play, a couple of promos here and there. I am going to try to find some trailers for the movies that are referenced in the rallies, but not all of them have trailers, unfortunately. So you might not get all of them, but I'll try to pepper some of those in there. I know some people seem to dig them. Some people don't. But, you know, if you do hear a trailer, just skip ahead about a minute. Then we'll get back into the conversation with the rallies. Also, the music opening this show is the standard, quote-unquote, Monster Kid Radio theme song. However, later in the show, as we get into the rallies, you're going to hear some other music from the band The Hattori Hanzo Surf Experience from their album, Meanwhile in Mallorca. The song is Kashyyyk Beach Party. A while back, my wife heard it and said, that sounds like a game show. And I thought, you know what? Game show. Awards. Rally awards theme music. So from this point forward, Kashyyyk Beach Party is the official music for the Monster Kid Radio Monster Rally Retro Awards. So you're going to hear that later in the show, and then I'll end the show with that as well. Of course, every song that appears here on the show, I have permission from the band to play their music. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you. You can find them at HattoriHanzoSurfExperience.BandCamp.com. There will be a link in the show notes, of course, so you can check that out. All right, let's get into the rallies. Let's roll out the monster red carpet right after this. How often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day when suddenly tragedy strikes. No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. Yes, sir, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading this way. Now get aboard! It's the kind of thing which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific types of monsters. Hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies. And what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up your copy of The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us 
by surviving. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Hey, comic book fans. I'm Joe Stuber, producer and host of Comic Book Central, where each and every week I welcome a legendary talent to the Comic Book Central lair to talk about bringing comic books to life. Greetings, true believers. This is Stan Lee. When do you think the Academy is going to wise up and create a special Oscar category for best cameo? I don't know. They're just asleep on their feet. Maybe your show, maybe this interview will be the turning point. She is Erin Gray. Erin, welcome to the show. I ended up being a contract player making, I think it was $600 a week. Gil was doing great. He was making the big bucks. You got the posters, though. You got <laughs> yes. the posters. Come I on. look better in white spandex. What can I say? <laughs> hey, this is Michael Rosenbaum. Lex Luthor from Smallville. Make sure you listen to this guy's show. Sounds like a good guy. People should listen to you, Joe. Catch the very latest episodes at the website, comicbookcentral.net. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, like it on Facebook, follow it on Twitter, and be sure to join me each and every week for Comic Book Central. This is Dean Kane, Superman from Lois and Clark, and you're listening to Comic Book... Comic Book... Comic Book Central. Where comic books come to life. Excelsior. It's finally happening, and not because I've been lazy, but because we're going to blame technology this time around. This is a recording that Stephen D. Sullivan and I have already done. And even before my recent hard drive failure, that recording got completely garbled. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was so frustrated by that, I actually considered just throwing in the towel on this whole rallies thing. Because if my system's not going to hold the recording, I don't know. But Steve was persistent, and it's because of Steve. Uh, and I got to thank him. <laughs> He's the reason why the rallies are still around the rallies. The Monster Rally Retro Awards here on Monster Kid Radio, where we celebrate our favorite monster movies of the past. And Steve's on the show. Steve's going to be part of the rallies, as far as I'm concerned, every time we do it. Cool. Because he had the bright idea <laughs> of not doing it year by year by year. But let's do it decade by decade by decade. I'll take credit for that. I barely remember it, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, Steve was like, let's just not do 1931, why don't you do 31, 41, 51, and then so on and so forth. So, Steve, welcome to Monster Kid Radio, welcome to something that you helped create. Thanks, man. The Rally Awards. It's great to be back, and, you know, it's weird at the same time, because I think we originally did this, well, it wasn't a year ago, but it was getting close to a year ago. Oh, it was way too long. Yeah, yeah I, I, way too I long. sit on the Rally Award winners way too long and that's not going to happen with the third annual but we'll get to that yeah that's coming up <laughs> you know the funny yeah. thing is that it's because we did record the whole thing it went really well it was a really good show and then it we completely got screwed by technology 
because that happened and it frustrated you and it frustrated me and it took us this long to get back to it, I don't even remember who the winners are anymore. So I get to have that thrill all over again. <laughs> there you go. So the, the Monster Rally Retro Awards, we have five categories in every year. Best Actor, Actress, Director, Movie, and of course, Best Monster. Now, typically we have five nominees. Typically. <laughs> but, but there is 1952. <laughs> Oh, boy. 1952 is kind of tough. And really, not to get too ahead of myself, I could have put more than five in 1953, but but I didn't. So so we're going to focus on uh, the, the twos uh, this time around and do the best we can, even though one of the years was kind of uh, it, had slim pickings. <laughs> probably the worst year of all time for fantasy, science fiction, and horror films. 1952. Just astonishingly bare pickings in that year it was really tough but that's one of the things that i like about doing this is i'm comparing the decades and i'm seeing the years and before putting the ballot together i didn't realize 52 was was kind of rough no and and i didn't either it never would have occurred to me that 51 would be fine and 53 would be fine 53 is like a boom crop year it's Mm -hmm. just a banner year but 52 it was like everyone stopped making movies or something. I don't, you know, I, I haven't gone back and tried to figure out if there was some general dip in movie making that year, but in terms of the stuff that we love here on monster kid radio, (laughs) it's got almost nothing, man. Very fair. We'll get there. And I would like to go back and check and see myself. Uh, was there something that happened 51, 52 that, that led to a decline in genre cinema? Uh, just, movie making in general was there a shortage of the material to make the film i, I don't know but but something something had to have happened right? yeah i guess but, but we'll figure it out yeah, yeah. if anybody has any ideas hey call in right I'd in love, yeah i'd love to hear it i'd love to hear it okay so here's how it's going to work i've got the ballot here in front of me me too uh, and i think do you have the ballot there I okay do. so we're going to review the ballot and i think for this one we're going to have steve go over the ballot go through the nominees and i'm going to let you know who won Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and we don't have anybody getting starstruck in the wings and screwing up which envelope they're going to give the person who's announcing the award. So, so we're going to be fine there. Yep, <laughs> we're not going to have an Oscars mishap here because it's just me and Steve, and, and yeah, we're good. And hopefully, in the intervening time, you and I both still have the same awards ballot. <laughs> pretty sure we do, <laughs> hey. but we'll find out as we go, won't we? <laughs> yeah, the, I have the exact ballot right here uh, that we use. It's a Google Doc, a Google Google Form. So unless somebody went in and messed up my Google as well, <laughs> <laughs> then Possible. I think we're going to be fine. Okay. All right. So you want to dive into this, sir? Sure. We're going to start right, with 1932. All right. 1932. Good year. Some pretty decent movies here. One of the most iconic Universal Monster movies here. But let's hear what right. the nominees and, were for Best Actor. One of my favorite independents as well. One of my favorite yeah. Poverty Row films oh, yeah. of all time. Oh, yeah. So for Best oh, yeah. Actor, we have Boris Karloff as the mummy in The Mummy. We have Bella Lugosi as Murder Legendre in White Zombie. We have Bella Lugosi again in Murders in the Rue Morgue. We have Walter Houston as the crazed white witch doctor in Congo. And we have Charles Lawton in Island of Lost Souls. This is a really strong category. 
really strong. And, you know, we've got two of the three patron saints of Monster Kid Radio right there. One of them mentioned twice. Right. This was a great year for Bela Lugosi. I mean, he did mm-hmm. Murders in the Rue Morgue for Universal, as I recall. And White Zombie is the aforementioned great Poverty Row picture. One of the great of all time. It is the very first feature-length zombie film. Right. It's the first mention in a sound film of the word zombie. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So. And, and, and some amazing eyebrows. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Who's the winner in this category, Derek? All right. So we have a winner here, and it was tight between two people here. Boris Karloff, however, came up on top. So Boris Karloff was the winner for Best Actor, and right behind him was Charles Lawton, surprisingly. I didn't think that would happen. Wow. But it did. Yeah. I. You know, you're always worried when something like this comes up that people may split their votes for one actor in two different performances. So mm-hmm. part of me has to wonder if Bela hadn't been so good in two films that year, if he'd only gotten one nomination, could he have given those other two a run for their money? Because, like I said, this is an amazing uh, year for actors, and it does not surprise me that Lawton is right up there nipping at Karloff's uh, coattails or mummy wrappings, as it were, in that <laughs> category. And I got to tell you, if I had to guess, the only reason that Walter Houston is not there is because not enough people have seen Congo and what a truly twisted little picture that is. It's really amazing. Yeah. I'll probably make this material or this, these numbers available either on the website or maybe I'll do an e-newsletter. Walter Houston only got 1% of the or 2.9% of the vote. Right. I'm, I'm guessing not a lot of people have seen that film. It's a, it's a shocking film. At least it mm-hmm. was for me when I first saw it. I was like, oh my God, are they really doing that? Is that really what's happening in this picture? Holy it's cow. It's disturbing. There is way more sex and drugs in that picture than you would expect for something from the time period. And it's twisted. It's the fascinating thing, again, when you look at the decades as well, 30s, 40s, 50s, we're still playing in like pre-code here right. in the 32. Yep. And, and in 33, when we get to that ballot, we're going to be playing in the pre-code a little bit too. So yep. you've got pre-code and then you've got big budget universal. And there, there's two definitely different flavors yeah. of monster and genre film. It's just fascinating to me to look at that and just kind of see what's going on. Anyway, yep. that's our winner, Boris Karloff in The Mummy. Woo! Congrats, Boris. It's one of his best roles. It really is. All right, you want to move on to Best Actress? Let's do that. Best Actress, we have Kathleen Burke from Island of Lost Souls. We have Zita Johan from The Mummy. We have Faye Ray, the beloved Faye Ray from The Most Dangerous Game. Boy, she was on a roll back in this time period. We have Mm -hmm. Gloria Stewart, who many of you may know from Titanic, in The Old Dark House. And Faye Ray again from Dr. X. Strong year for her. Let's see if she split the vote. Uh, Maybe she did. I don't know. We've got (laughs) just over 30% of the votes went to the winner, Zita Johan. From The Mummy, which is awesome. She's a really interesting character in real life, too, and, and this is a great performance by her. She was an interesting person, an interesting character. I would love to know more about her. She didn't do a heck of a lot, though, and, and in terms of films, I would like to little, know a little bit more about her history and her, just her as a person, because, like you said, fascinating personality. In some ways, kind of too big for the movies and the Hollywood system at the time. Mm-hmm. Too much of a free spirit to put up with a lot of that. Very well-deserved award here for her great performance. Did Faye Ray split the ballot? Uh, I don't know. Um, Faye Ray did not come up in second place, so... Uh. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Kathleen Burke came up behind her. So Look at that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, moving on to Best Director. Ah, here we go. Another good combination of films here. Yeah, no kidding. We have Carl Theodore Dreyer for Vampire. We have James Whale for the old Dark House, the original old Dark House film. We have yes. Todd Browning for the still disturbing to this day Freaks. We have William J. Cowan for Congo and Victor Halperin for White Zombie. So I suspect your favorite here would be Halperin, because I know you, you love White Zombie. I love White Zombie. Yeah. You have that incredible novelization of White Zombie. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great pleasure to write that book, and I love love that film. It's a great, great little film in the terms that it had virtually no budget, but it you'd never guess looking at it. It's awesome. And it's such a, an affecting and even still relevant film. I mean, a couple seasons back of American Horror Story played on the freak show theme. It's it's still resonant, but it didn't win the rally. What actually? Let me take that back. It did win the rally. Todd Browning. Todd Browning, Todd Browning <laughs> won the rally. I know you. Sorry, you jumped from Victor Halper into Todd Browning there without. How did warning. I do that? I don't know. Yeah, I, we're, we're I don't about know. White Zombie and ended up in Freaks, and I guess that's appropriate because Freaks won and. <laughs> I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> can't say I'm surprised. Although I am, because I literally do not remember <laughs> doing this last year. <laughs> so, Freaks. Freaks freaks is the winner. How did I make that jump? I just skipped ahead. You know, we're going to blame that on technology. We're going to say I edited something out by accident. That's right. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Let's move on to best movie before I edit something else out by accident. Best movie. <laughs> not going to be a lot of surprises here, because they've been mentioned in the other nominations. We've got White Zombie. The Mummy, Island of Lost Souls, The Most Dangerous Game, and The Old Dark House. All terrific films. You should seek them out and watch every single one of these if you have not. Yes, definitely. And I can tell you that this year I will be talking about The Most Dangerous Game with somebody in the future that's already in the works. I think I've talked about White Zombie with you and Island of Lost Souls with Michael Ledgy. The Old Dark House I haven't given the proper treatment to yet, but I will. But as for the winner this year... For the rallies for 1932, we're looking at Island of Lost Souls, man. Cool. You know, I kind of thought it'd be The Mummy because that's such an iconic film. But sure. Island of Lost Souls has been remade at least twice since then that I can think of, and maybe even a miniseries or something. But twice as a film, but that's the one. That's still the Island of Lost Souls. It's the top. Everything about it is the best that it can be. The makeup is fabulous. Charles Lawton is truly twisted. The undertones are disturbing as they can only be in a 1932 (laughs) pre-code film. What's not to love about Island of Lost Souls? Great film. There's a great restoration of it too. Oh man. The Criterion release is fantastic. Yep. Fabulous. If you don't own that, if you haven't seen it, you owe yourself to check it out at least once. Absolutely. Really good. Absolutely. Almost done with 32. Let's put the year behind us by talking about the best monster. Yeah, this, is the, this is the big award. This is the, the best monster for 1932. In the category, we have the nominees. The Mummy from The Mummy. Lola the Panther Woman from Island of Lost Souls. The Sayer of the Law from Island of Lost Souls, played by Bela Lugosi, as I recall. We yep. have Eric the Ape from Murders in the Room Org. And the Zombies of White Zombie. And the winner is... The winner is overwhelmingly the mummy. Of course. Ardeth Bay. 
Yeah. Imhotep. Tap. Iconic. Even though he was only in one film from Universal, even though he only spends a handful of minutes in the wrappings. Yep. Fantastic performance. Fantastic character. One of Karloff's best and fully worthy and the icon for all the mummy movies that followed, even though that particular character did not actually appear in any of the movies. Well, except in the scenes that they used for flashbacks in some of the other films. <laughs> <laughs> like, I suppose technically he's got a cameo in the other ones. Right, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretend that's not Karloff there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend it's really Tom Tyler. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, Hammer did that, too, with their Mummy movies, didn't they? They did. They, they brought in stock footage from the Christopher Lee for their... Anyway, that's going to be down the line when we talk about the Mummy for Hammer in the future. But, yeah, that's 1932. Yeah. Any any surprises for you there, Steve? Any Anything that shocked you? The, the only surprise, really, was the Island of Lost Souls. And that's not a surprise, because um, in some ways, it's a better movie than The Mummy. The Mummy is actually almost like a better version of Dracula. You know, we've talked, I think we've talked about this before, that they're very mm-hmm. similar in structure, but the mummy avoids the kind of stagey pitfalls that Dracula has. You know, I love Dracula. The first half is so good, and then it just completely gets stuck in the drawing room after that, which is too bad. Anyway. It's, it's yeah, it's something that I've learned. I mean, I've grown to really appreciate Browning's Dracula over the years. It's a wonderful, fantastic film, and I love it. And I will put it in, and I will watch it, and have no problem with it. Oh, However, I'll watch it every comp- time it's on. Yeah, sure. But if you compare it to the Mummy, <laughs> yeah. or even or even Frankenstein or anything else around that time, it does get very stagey. Which, knowing that Todd Browning came up through the silent films, makes sense. Right. But, well, and it was adapted from a stage play. Right, and that's the other thing. It's not surprising. It is what it is, but yeah, it did not win. The, yeah, so The Mummy. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a you. little surprised The Mummy didn't win, but The Island of Lost Souls is iconic and is a great film. So not going to uh, hold uh, the fact that I love The Mummy against it. It's a great winner. There we go. Well, you want to move into 1942? Yeah. Talk a little bit about the 40s here? Yeah, let's do We've jumped ahead a decade now, so we're actually in the middle of the war, and uh, we're out of the pre-code era pretty solidly. It's not to say there isn't some disturbing stuff happening here i mean we've got this is the era of val luton right yeah so a lot of that's moving out of the screen and into your mind and it's also a giant leap forward in film making technology between Mm -hmm. 1932 which was just still not that long after the switch over to sound film into 42 where sound film is firmly established and they've regained a lot of the skills that they had at the peak of the silent era so in terms of just film craft, people are going to find these a lot more watchable in some ways, I think, than the earlier pictures. They have a different look and definitely a different sound. The sound has gotten a lot better here. And which one of these actors sounded best? Which one performed best in 1942? You want to go through the uh, yeah, nominees for this. best actor? We have, for best actor, we have Bela Lugosi in The Ghost of Frankenstein playing Igor, if I remember. Mm-hmm. We have Wallace Ford from The Mummy's Ghost, one of the kind of comical characters. The Mummy's Ghost or Mummy's... I have The Mummy's Tomb. Oh, I remember we had this problem last time. (laughs) One of us is going to have to quickly go to the... I'm uh, on it. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) Fact-checking here. Quickly go to the fact-check. Yeah, there was an error on the ballot, and I don't remember which one of us has the error on the ballot. For I've got the mummy's tomb. I, I've got the mummy's tomb looking pretty solid here. You're okay. So you think yep. it's the mummy's tomb for sure? 
Yes, that's what the IMDb has listed as 42's yeah. release. It's okay. easy to mix it up, though, because... And, it, and is Wallace yeah. Ford in it? Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Good. So it's Wallace <laughs> Ford for The Mummy's Tomb. I've actually corrected the uh, the piece that I have online, too. So if, God forbid, we have to do this a third time... <laughs> oh, no, it's not happening. If this doesn't work this time, I'm thrown in the towel. <laughs> <laughs> We have Cecil Calloway from I Married a Witch. He's uh, the father of Veronica Lake. We have James Ellison from The Undying Monster, which is the werewolf picture. We have Lionel Atwell from Dr. Renault's Secret. See, you have Lionel Atwell. I've got George Zuko. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I'm going to have to look check. at another piece of paper here. I'm reading off of mine. So, all right. Is it George Zuko from Dr. Renault's Secret? <laughs> What do you got, Derek? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Let's see. I'm going to switch over from what I had here to something different and see if I've actually got the more up to date. All Although, right. To be fair, Zuko Atwell is easy to kind of mix them up based on the kind of movies they made at one <laughs> at that point. Well, you know, and you can see what happens here when you have a technology failure because actually mm-hmm. both of the things that I have have both of those mistakes that I just made. So, is it George Zuko we're going with? It is. Yep, it is George Zuko. Zuko. To be honest, it's not really going to matter all that much because the the winner, <laughs> the, the winner, you know, a clear landslide victory here. Patron state of Monster Kid Radio, Bela Lugosi. Awesome. In one of his great performances. Yeah. Not, not his best Igor, but still it's Igor. Yeah. So what more can you say? It's, I mm-hmm. think, uh, the... Igor performance in Sun is somewhat better, but Bella's Igor is one of the great classic monster roles of all time. Yep. Hooray! Bella won! Yeah, <laughs> he won something. <laughs> he won something. Uh, so, I, I don't think we have the same issues we're going to have with the nominees for Best Actress, but why don't we give it a shot? Boy, I, I don't know now. You know, the fact that both of the things that I have to read off of had the same mistakes on them are huh. a little disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> But that's all right. I've only got the secondary stuff. Derek is the, uh, I was going to say he's the Price Waterhouse of this, but after this last. Yeah, we don't don't want to go there. We don't want to go there, right? I guess maybe I'm the Price Waterhouse of this. (laughs) Either that or the Steve Harvey, you know, one one or the other. Right, yeah, yeah. All right. (laughs) I don't watch his award show, though. All right, best actress. We have Evelyn Anchors. From the Ghost of Frankenstein. We have Simone Simone, the titular cat person from Cat People. We have Veronica Lake, the wonderful Veronica Lake from I Married a Witch. And this is one I think probably not enough people have seen and should go out and see because it's enchanting. We have Jane Randolph from Cat People, who's the reporter girlfriend. What is her her job? She's the girlfriend of the the main Mm -hmm. character. And we have... Heather Angel from The Undying Monster. And Heather is not the really interesting CSI lady from Undying Monster, as I recall. She's the other character. So, best actress. Who's the winner? Best actress. As much as I love my, I love me some Evelyn Anchors, I'm a huge fan. She didn't win. The winner. Simone Simone. <laughs> Well-deserved. A wonderfully creepy and repressed role playing... Uh, Irena, the the cat, as I recall, the cat person, and it's it's a great performance. It really is, and a fantastic film. In a great movie, the Turner Pictures, the Luton Pictures. When I was a kid, 
I was always a little disappointed because you don't really get to see the monster in them that much. You know, it's like all shadow and suggestion. And ironically or fittingly, that's exactly what I like about them as an adult. So Cat People is one of the best films of all time. I'd say it's probably one of the best Val Luton films of oh, all yeah. time. Yeah, it's it's probably his best film. Yeah. And that's saying something because <laughs> there's some good films. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, if you've got the Val Luton box set, it's just end to end great films. And uh, that uh, may come up again, Cat People. In fact, sure. Moving on to best director. Yep, let's do it. We have Val Luton's collaborator and favorite director, Jacques Tourneur, for Cat People. We have Eric C. Kenton from The Ghost of Frankenstein. We have Harold Young from The Mummy's Tomb. Yes. We have Renee Clare from The Wonderful I Married a Witch. And we have John Brahm from The Undying Monster. And the winner is... Overwhelmingly, Shock Tornor. What a shock. <laughs> yeah, right? Not only is he the best director of this year. He is one of the best directors of all time, not just genre directors, his ability behind a camera to put together a great film, outstanding, unmatched. Yes. Yep. Certainly in suspense, probably matched only by Alfred Hitchcock. This guy really, oh, wow. really knew what he was doing. Great wow, pictures. Okay. And Hitchcock didn't do true horror pictures and Turner did. So, yep. Although, as, as Boris would say, don't like the word horror. <laughs> so, not maybe not quite appropriate, but a great win for a great director. So, that brings us to the best movie of the year, 1942. Okay. We have Cat People. We have The Ghost of Frankenstein. We have The Mummy's Tomb. We have The Undying Monster. And we have... I Married a Witch. And the winner for Best Picture is... Can you guess? I'm guessing Cat People. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And well-deserved. It is one of the great monster horror movies of all time. It really is. What more can we say about it? It's just end-to-end. This is a great movie. By any standard. Not just within the genre. It's a great film. So we had a sweep of Cat People for this year, but... Cat People's not on the best monster category, so we're going to change it up a little bit. Let's let's find out who got best monster. It is not in the category. So for best <laughs> monster, we have the Frankenstein's monster. We have Karis, the mummy. We have Igor, which may be spelled wrong on the thing I'm reading from. <laughs> we have, <laughs> Igor's not spelled with a Y, is it? Uh, I, I think it is in the film. It, yeah, either it way. It is. So it's, well, it's hard to say. We have the lycanthrope from the undying monster, and we have Noel from Doctor Renault's Secret, and the best monster, nineteen forty-two is the Cat People. No, uh, the best monster. <laughs> Thank you, Price Waterhouse. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I think the best monster here, the the, the winner, is indicative of what we, were, what we were saying earlier about Lugosi's performance. Igor's the winner. Igor is the best monster, and beat out. Frankenstein's monster from the ghost of Frankenstein, which I think again, indicative of what that character is and how important it is right. and how well played it was. Yeah. We had Fritz, but Igor, he's 
kind of the standard when it comes to the hunchback assistant for the mad scientist, you know? Without Igor, you don't you don't have that trope, I don't think. Right, and he's not even really an assistant, but people... No. Over the years, people have conflated Igor with Frankenstein's assistant so much that it's now a cliché that Igor is Frankenstein's assistant in the original. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Nope. Didn't happen. When I first learned that as a kid, when I was reading the Crestwood House books, my mind was blown that Igor didn't turn up until the third film. Right. Because I just assumed, because he's in the pop culture, as the guy. So, And this is his last film, aside from the fact that, okay, spoilers, his brain ends up in the monster. This is the last film where we actually get to see poor old twisted Igor. Which yeah. Is, which is a shame. And it's it really also is. the transitional picture for Universal between the original Frankenstein series and the monster rallies that were to follow. And... In a way, it's kind of an overlooked picture in the oeuvre of the Frankenstein monster series. But it's like all the other ones. It's a good one. It it is a solid film, and you're right. I think it's a good way to put it. I hadn't thought about it, but you're absolutely right. We start going into the monster rallies after this, and we're going to talk about one of those when we do the 53 ballot. But I'm sorry, the 43 ballot. It's got all the good stuff that you had from Son of Frankenstein, and it's starting to bring in the stuff that you get from Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And... You know, I, I just I, I can't recommend it enough. I think people need to check it out. It's completely and terribly underrated. People may remember from previous shows that I'm old enough to have been around during the golden age of the revival movie house, where every weekend you could go to a, a movie house in Boston or Chicago or Milwaukee and see a 35 millimeter print of some classic film, or often two or three on the same bill. And The Ghost of Frankenstein was one of the last ones from the original Universal cycle I managed to see because it just, it, like I said, it's kind of caught in between the two errors. It's not considered, it's after Boris left and it's before the monster rally start. It's right there. But it's got Igor. <laughs> and uh, yep. not surprisingly, he's the winner and it's a, it's a great film. I, I would say it probably would have had a chance of winning if it hadn't come out the same year as Cat People for Best Movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. But that leaves us 1942. Set your way back machine forward 10 more years to 1952. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) 1952, the year without monster movies. The year in which there were barely more movies than there were nomination slots for the five nominations. And in some, there weren't even that many. (laughs) What can you say? We don't know why it happened. If you know why it happened, write or call in and tell us. It'll be interesting. But uh, if someone says you have to watch (laughs) monster movies from one year for the rest of your life, don't pick 1952. (laughs) Well, it's not awful yet. Uh, We start with Best Actor. There are some solid nominees here. Some solid performances in the Best Actor category. In Best Actor, we have Peter Graves from Red Planet Mars, in which Red Planet never actually appears. We have Boris Karloff (laughs) from The Black Castle. We have Bela Lugosi from My Son, the Vampire. We have Eric von Stroheim from Al Hrun, which I still have not seen, but you know, it's that year. And we have Rod Cameron, <laughs> The Jungle, which is the movie that has mammoths in it. And the winner 
the winner is not Bela Lugosi from My Son the Vampire, which now the theme song is stuck in my head, also known as Vampire Over London. And I think it's terribly underrated. People need to check it out. It's the runner-up. The winner for Best Actor is Boris Karloff from The Black Castle. You know, it's a minor part for Boris, but have you ever seen Boris turn in a bad performance? Because I never have. I've never seen him turn in a bad performance. I've seen him in movies in which there are some questionable performances around him. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him in movies in which he does the absolute best job he possibly can with what he's given. Even when he was old and he couldn't breathe and he was mostly in a wheelchair, he's still the best thing in a lot of those movies he did at the end of his life. And it's not even a close call. Yeah. The Black Castle, it's not a big part, but it's a good part. And Boris kills it. Yeah, he does. But one of my favorite later stage Karloff films is Curse of the Crimson Altar, which by all rights shouldn't be as enjoyable as it is, I feel. But I I love it, and I love him in it. I really like that picture. I think, you know, there are a lot of people that don't think it's very good, and I'm not sure what movie they're seeing. Because I think it's pretty darn good, and especially for that late in his life for Karloff. Nice work. And Christopher Lee and Barbara Steele, come on. So, since Bela won... uh, in the previous category, we're not too sad that he he missed out here. And My Son the Vampire, kind of a weird film with, I think, an Alan Sherman theme song that you're you've got running yeah. your head now. When it was released here in the states as My Son the Vampire, it ended up with that. Oh boy! And it's otherwise known as Old Mother Riley meets the Vampire. And for those of you right. that haven't seen it, Old Mother Riley is played by a man. Yeah, A Man in Drag. It was a whole series of films, um, which I've never seen any of the others. I I'd be either. interested in. I'd be interested because apparently the other ones are better. <laughs> well, because he's playing with his wife as, as uh-huh. the, uh, the female lead in the film. Interesting. But there was a divorce. Uh-huh. She left, uh-huh. and he made a movie and replaced her with Bela Lugosi or something. I don't know. So this but, is <laughs> like a Bowery, Bowery Boys movie where half the Bowery Boys aren't there anymore, right? Right. So yeah. Well, you know, they did fairly well for what they had. They do have Bela, and they've got a robot. So, and they've got a theme song by Alan Sherman, who some of you may remember from "Hello Mother, Hello Father, Here I Am at Camp Granada." Camp Granada fame, which is a great song. Alan did. I have to cut you off there though, because I don't have. I'm not paying for the rights for that song. (laughs) (laughs) Alan did a lot of great parody songs pre. Pre the the big parody song, and I'm completely spacing on his name. The guy with the frizzy hair. What's his name? Weird Al. Yeah. Weird Al. There you go. He was yep. he was Weird Al before there was Weird Al. So there you go. Moving on to Best Actress, 1950. Best Actress. Only four nominees made the cut, man. Yeah, and I suppose you could wow. have thrown in someone from one of the others, but it's hard because there wasn't a lot of good stuff going on this year. So Best Actress, we have. Andrea King from Red Planet Mars. We have Rita Corday from The Black Castle. We have Hildegard Kneff from Al Rune. We have Dora Byron from My Son the Vampire. And the winner is... The winner is Rita Corday. From The Black Castle. Yep. And this is a minor universal film. It is a universal, isn't it, Derek? I believe so. And it's kind of a minor one, but it's still... Very solid, proving that they knew what they were doing, even in the later years of the Universal films. And this is kind of the last year for the classic gothic horror. Next year, we start getting atomic monsters and that kind of cool stuff. So, there you go. Moving on to Best Director, and even 
thinner set of pictures oh, boy. than the yeah. Best Actress category. We have Nathan H. Duran from The Black Castle. I believe he also directed The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, maybe? Yeah, he was a collaborator with Harry With Harry Housen. Yeah. So uh, this was pre-Harry Housen. But Nathan H. Duran, The Black Castle. We have Harry Horner for The Red Planet Mars. And we have Arthur Maria Rabineau from Al Harun. And the winner is... We're going to keep the Black Castle train going. And I'm not surprised. And Nathan Duran is the winner, and he's a terrific director. And not someone you probably think of really often as a terrific director of genre films, but he, he was. He did a great job. So there you go. Congratulations to him. Moving on to right. the best movie, 1952. Again, <laughs> <laughs> very slim pickings. Now, we did decide to exclude... The, uh, there were a couple of genre serials made that year. Yeah, I didn't do serials on the ballot. Right, and, and probably rightly so. And I think there was, uh, oh, there was, oh, it's going to come up in the, the next. There were a couple of other pictures like Untamed Women, which just, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Thin Pickens, 1952. Don't get time trapped in this year, guys. <laughs> Don't. Don't do it. So we have nominated for Best Movie, The Red Planet Mars. The Black Castle, Our Rune, and The Jungle, which as a reminder is the one that has mammoths in it for about yes. the last five minutes. Enough to be on the ballot in the next right. category. Anyway. Yeah. If it had more than five minutes of mammoths, it would be a better film. And the winner for best movie is... What, what do you think? I'm thinking it, it has to be The Black Castle. It, it is The Black Castle. Almost 50% of the vote you know, for The Black Castle. The funny thing is if, if we can ever find a print of Al Rune, we may all discover we made a terrible mistake, and that's a brilliant film. <laughs> but we can't because it's hard to find and hard to see. And I, I've seen clips, but that's about it. Right, and the reason it's on the list is because 1952, man. <laughs> 1952. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be surprised that the best monster list actually has, or maybe you should be surprised that it actually has five monsters on the best monster right. list. Right, kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so here we go. Best monster, Robot Mark One from My Son the Vampire. The Giant from Jack and the Beanstalk, which is the Abbott and Costello version, as I recall. Yes. We mm-hmm. have The Hairy Men, which are kind of like Neanderthals, <laughs> from Untamed Women. We have Gargon, played by Lon Chaney Jr., I believe, yeah, in The mm-hmm. Black Castle, the evil, monstrous henchman. And we have the woolly mammoths from The Jungle. And the winner is... I'm, I'm letting people imagine a drum roll here. Okay, the winner <laughs> is, no surprise, Clean Sweep, 1952. Everything goes to The Black Castle. Gargan won. So Lon Chaney Jr.'s Gargan in The Black Castle. There you go. There's your winner. Yeah, I guess The Castle did sweep all the awards in 1952 and honestly it deserved to because having watched all of these all that were available before we did these awards originally the black castle was clearly the best picture in our genre that came out that year clearly yep. congratulations to all the winners from the black castle an underappreciated movie that you really should go see it actually had two or three other minor 
female roles in it that I thought could have been nominated in the Best Actress category, perhaps in preference to some of the other ones. Sure. It's got a great cast. I mean, Richard Green, who's not my favorite Robin Hood, is in it. You've got some, some pretty solid performances in here. John Hoyt's really good in it. I need to talk about it here on the show at some point. Yeah, that would be a good. That would be good. There's got to be someone out there in Monster Kid Land that this is one of their favorite films. Hey, it's like we were talking about before we started recording, man. Every movie is somebody's favorite. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons often. But yeah, someone out there will want to talk to you about that film. And if they don't, maybe you and I will do it. Well, I've already put us down for Curse of the Crimson Altar, man. Oh, awesome. Because cool. <laughs> I can't talk about that movie enough. I own it <laughs> two different ways on Blu-ray. Do so. you really? Oh, wow. Yeah, well, there was a UK release. And then there was a, a U.S. release, and the Blu-ray release actually has a completely different soundtrack. Wow. And changes the vibe of the film tremendously. It actually feels like a full moon movie from the 80s with the soundtrack. <laughs> uh, it's just, which, again, it, it that, doesn't ruin the movie or change the, it, but it's, it's odd. Is yeah. that the U.S. version with a different soundtrack? Yeah, it was put out by, I believe, Kino. And which is the original soundtrack, do you know? Curse of the Crimson Altar. And that soundtrack from the film originally was actually made up mostly of library music. Which means if you listen, you can hear some music cues from another movie that was made in the UK that used some library music. That movie being Monty Python and the Holy Grail. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I love that movie so much. I really do. Cool. I don't know if I'll be able to acquire both versions of it uh, on Blu-ray. But it'll be good to talk about it. It's, it's interesting when things get rescored. I mean, Sven Gulli, uh, just a couple of weeks ago as we uh, record this, has been oh, yeah. doing uh, a version of Dracula, Lugosi's Dracula, with a score that was from the French release of Dracula, which is made up entirely of library music from other sources. And boy, it's really kind of interesting because Dracula is early sound picture and doesn't have a lot of music in it but the no there's three it. moments of music in the film opening credits and credits and then the uh, i believe the opera scene right and that's it yeah and then there's the one that um is a philip glass did a, a version for it that you can yeah that one the con- not my favorite I, it's not too bad it's, no i mean i like philip glass but i just yeah i don't know a lot of people don't like it uh, i'm not one of them i think it's okay but the one that sven has been playing it kind of completely shocked me when i stumbled across it first a couple of months ago and again as i say just replayed it so it's interesting when people rescore movies to see what they can do and it it made me want to in the case of dracula i wish that someone would uh, hire john williams to redo his score from the langella dracula for the lugosi (laughs) dracula because i think that would just be awesome i love that dracula score it's a great score it's an underrated williams score it's from the late 70s so it has that kind of edge of cheese to it but it's okay i mean i dig the heck out of it i know williams referred to it as a a ketchup and thunder picture (laughs) (laughs) and and the music fits but i love it it's good stuff yeah good stuff so astonishingly we're now at the end of the rallies for the twos. We've managed to do 32, 42, and 52. Why don't we go to 33, 43, and 53 oh, here, Steve? we could do that. And these, I have not seen the nominations for this. I sent in my suggestions along with uh, mm-hmm. your other staff of quote-unquote experts, but I have no idea <laughs> what's coming up here. So when I say what? You'll know yeah. that's a real reaction. So <laughs> here we go. I'm going to let listeners actually catch their breath for a second when we take a short break. 
and then I'll dive into that here in one second. Continuing the rally coverage with Stephen E. Sullivan. We'll be right back. Awesome. on our village, the curse of Frankenstein. creation of man the monster of frankenstein stalks again here is drama completely strange full of weird suspense with this great cast sir cedric hardwick lionel atwill ralph bellamy bela lugosi evelyn anchors lon chaney in the gripping tale of a monster the tomb cannot engulf chains cannot hold you're going to give him life yes not for the purposes that you think, Igor. I'm giving him another brain. Is that your shower, Hussman? Yes, yes. Eternal punishment for anyone who opens this casket. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see. You'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. There's nothing on earth like the mummy. You will not remember what I show you now, and yet I shall awaken memories of love and crime and death. Now I know his horrible plan. He is going to kill her and make her a living mummy like himself. From Haiti, land of the voodoo, comes the most infamous cult of all. Bela Lugosi as Murder Legendre, 
Master of the undead damned. The sinister power behind the white zombie. This soul killer takes men from their graves to be his slaves. His instruments of terror, and now this fiend plots to possess a woman. Keep it, you may change your mind. Not dead? Are you mad? I saw her die. The doctor signed the certificate. I saw them bury her. Captive in the borderland between life and death. Her brain drained of the life spark. The white zombie obeys the unholy commands of her demon master. As mindless creatures carry out his cursed will, terror explodes in horror and heartquake. Zombie! Halabi! Never eyes so evil, never powers so potent, never magic so black, Bela Dracula Lugosi, as the master of the white zombie. so people know how we've put the ballot together. I have a, a small group. Steve called them experts. I'm going to call them the Monster Kid Radio cabal of <laughs> an ever-rotating... I like being in a cabal better than I like being an expert. Awesome. There, there you go. There you go. So Steve is my, my permanent cabal member here when it comes to the rallies. But every year I, I reach out to different people, not the same people, because I want to kind of mix it up a little bit, with the exception of Steve and I. I'm getting new perspectives on who they think they should be on the ballot. Now I took Steve's information, my information. Then I had five other people that I reached out to and using that, I've built the ballot for the 2017 monster rally retro awards for 1933, 43 and 53. I'm excited to get into this because 53 especially is interesting. 33 also has some pretty good stuff. Uh Here's a comment and maybe this is going to bite us a little bit in the end, but 
One of the issues that we have had in previous ballots is we've had people splitting the vote because people have been in the same movie during the same year. And in fact, Fay Ray had a banner 1933. Oh, no kidding. She was in three movies that came up repeatedly. Well, I didn't put all of Fay Ray's movies on the list. In fact, I tried to just do one performance per category mm-hmm. to keep it from splitting the ballot. Yeah, well, that's good, especially in Faye's case, because yeah. 1933, she was the queen of the monster horror sci-fi fantasy movie. Yes. Clearly. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. You probably could have done a ballot with just her on it. Faye Ray right. from... <laughs> Exactly. Especially, yeah, 33, she did what? King Kong, Mystery of the Wax Museum. Um, what was the third one? Vampire um, Bat. Yeah, that's it. So there you go. Anyway. And probably a couple we're forgetting that could have been included. So the rallies recognize the best in genre cinema. So we have horror, science fiction, and fantasy. And we're just going to start and kind of dive into 1933's list of nominees. You ready, Steve? Now, Steve's not seen this ballot. This I, is I the first time I've revealed this to anybody. So. We'll get surprised reactions from me. Or, what All the right. heck are you doing, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go. The categories for 1933 Best Actor are Robert Armstrong from King Kong. Awesome. Lionel Atwell from Mystery of the Wax Museum. Very strong. Leslie Howard from Berkeley Square. And a comment about Berkeley Square. Have you seen it? I have, but it's been a long time. It's a time travel movie. Yeah, this is actually one that I put on the back. I, I really forced this one on uh, because... It's important to me for a couple of different reasons. It's Lovecraft's favorite movie. Oh, I'd forgotten Love, that. You're yeah, right. Lovecraft didn't like film, <laughs> but <laughs> Berkeley Square was something that he enjoyed and actually inspired the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Now that you've said that, I remember that. And it was actually, it was on my suggested ballot too. So I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. All right. Back to the ballot. The fourth nominee is Bela Lugosi in Night of Terror, which really interesting performance there. And then of course... We can't have a 1933 Best Actor list without Claude Rains from The Invisible Man. And this is a very strong category. The, the Lugosi performance is, it's Bela. So it's, he makes, like Karloff, he makes pretty much anything he's in watchable. Yes. It's not one of his greatest performances, I wouldn't say. But aside from that, these are very strong performances. I mean, you never see Claude Rains as The Invisible Man, but... It's hard to imagine anyone else playing that. And exactly. As we found out in later versions of the film, there's only one person that can really play Carl Denham and make him a good character, and that's Robert Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And Lionel in the Wax Museum, it's a role that's kind of repeated later by Vincent Price in the remake. Great stuff. And this ballot, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. So, yep. uh, yeah, I'd forgotten that that was coming up, too. So, oh, cool. All right, okay. so those are the actors. Did I miss any? No, I think we got it. Exciting. All right. All right, so Best Actress. You ready? We got another Berkeley Square nominee with Heather Angel. Mm-hmm. Glenda Farrell from Mystery of the Wax Museum. For my money, she is just one of my favorite 1930s actresses. I'm just fan- fascinated by her. She plays the reporter in that film. Yes. And that's a yep. great role, and she's terrific in it. She really is. Did she go on to play a reporter in another series? Yes, she has. And um, Oh, what's the man. name of it? Oh, I, I pulled this. Obviously, we're making this up as we go because I pulled that right out of my head. They showed a number of these on TCM not too long is ago. It Torchy? Um, is it the Torchy yes. Blaine series? That's it is. What it Torchy is. Blaine. See? Yep. 
This is why Derek has has me on these kind of things because I keep all this useless information in my head. <laughs> no, I did not check IMDb while we were vamping for time there. I just let it all filter in from the cosmos, and it's the Torchy Blaine series, and she's terrific. She's great. In she this really movie. is. All right, all right. Uh, Carol Lombard from Supernatural, which is a film that I have not seen for a long time. Like Berkeley Square, this is these are things I need to rewatch before we vote. Yeah, yeah. Carol Lombard, not normally known for genre-type cinema. No. Wow. No, she's a great actor. And she's hanging out with the Halperins in this one. Right. How'd that happen? I don't know. but <laughs> She's a great actress. So Yeah. Uh, Gloria Stewart from The Invisible Man. Gloria Stewart mm-hmm. back again from, uh, and as I said in the previous awards, you may know, know her from Titanic. She was the old yep. lady in Titanic. So a great career spanning five, six decades. Uh, yep. Amazing work. Yep. Who am I missing here, Steve? Uh, you must be missing the same woman who was in the 1932 last nomination. That would be the amazing Fay Ray for That's King, right, from King, King Kong. Kong. Got to gotta go with Kong, even though she did three movies this year. And they were all good. Yes. And she's good in were. all of them. But if you're picking one of her iconic roles, it has to be Faye for Kong. All right. Let's move on to Best Director. you ready? I might be. <laughs> okay. Well... Well, we're going to start Best Director with one of the biggest names. I'm going to go with King Kong's directors, Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodzak. Amazing. You know, they're totally responsible for that film, along with uh, Mary Rose, who was Shodzak's wife, I think, who wrote the screenplay. Basically, right. people think Kong must have been an older legend or something like that. No. These guys made it up in 1933 with Willis what? O'Brien. And the you know those and a four people, a little bit of Edgar Wallace, yeah, a and a little, little bit, bit of Edgar Wallace. Wallace. Yep, those four people created Kong out of whole cloth, and now it's a legend. So, yep. best director for them. All right. Also on the ballot for best director, Michael Curtiz from Mystery of the Wax Museum. Yeah, yeah. one of the great directors of all time. Not often, yes, not often spoken about in the same breath with Ford and Hitchcock and you know all the other great directors you think of, but. This guy did Mystery in the Wax Museum, and he did Casablanca. Curtis could do anything. He was brilliant. Yep. Also, Victor Halperin from Supernatural. Cool. He pops up again. He, he does. And this movie, just for the opening, like, first 15 minutes alone, shows his directorial style and hand. It's amazing. Cool. I'm going to have to rewatch it. There you go. Uh, A. Edward Sutherland, who directed Murders in the Zoo. Which is a very cool film that is harder mm-hmm. to see than one would want it to be. I yeah. picked it up. I was lucky. It was on a universal set that had a lot of interesting little films, kind of the same genre on it. And that's sadly out of print now, so now it's hard to find. But it's really terrific, and it's very creepy. And it's Atwell's in that, isn't he? Is that I believe so. I think he's one of the evil guys yeah. in that film. And it's very creepy. It's murders in the zoo. What more can you say? Someone gets thrown, yeah. someone gets thrown to the alligators, I think, at one point. So yeah. check it out if you can. All right, and we've got one more nominee here. Can you guess who that might be? Who have we not mentioned? Oh, boy. You know, if I actually had the list in front of me, I'd know right away, but I don't. So, <laughs> Well, it's appropriate that you can't see it because it's oh, James Whale, it's James the director Mel- of The Invisible Man. Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> what can you say about that film? But it's a great Tour film. de force, man. Yeah, Tour it de is. force for everybody involved. It is. It's, it's too bad they didn't think to have bare feet 
appear in the snow in the one of the last scenes rather than shoot feet. <laughs> uh, well, you know. Watch for that continuity error. <laughs> no, don't. Well, watch. now Steve ruined the movie. Don't no. watch for that continuity <laughs> error. Watch it for all the amazing things they did in it, and then yes. think like Kong. Think, look what they could do in 1933. And the Invisible Man is at the top of the ballot for best monster category. Not surprising. We've still got to do best movie first, though. Well, yeah, I think I switched it up this time around. Oh, I think you did, did monster and then movie. I might have. Oh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think you need to so, put best monster last because to you us, want to do okay, us monster. I'll switch it. Us monster kids. That's the most important, isn't it? Oh, okay, I'll switch it. Why not? <laughs> this one's fluid. This one I can change. So, best movie, The Invisible Man's at the top of the list still. <laughs> <laughs> what a shock. It's a great yep. film. You must see it if you have not. Right there next to King Kong. <laughs> and another great film. And those of you that have listened to me talk know that King Kong is my favorite genre film of all time. Only behind Casablanca in my all-time films list. So, that's how high a regard I hold it in. I love Kong. Mystery of the Wax Museum. A wonderful film shot in the weird two-strip Technicolor, as I recall, right? Believe so. Yeah, so it's it's interesting even from that point of view is that the colors are not going to be quite what you're used to seeing in full Technicolor, which was uh, still to come at this point. But it makes it so much weirder it is. because it's of that, especially in the end. creepier, yeah. and it's that film and Dr. Yeah. X are the two that I think of that mm-hmm. are monster films that were shot in that process, and both give an extra level of creepiness and unreality to them. It's very cool. Okay, two more movies for best movie. Night of Terror, which you said is Lugosi, not necessarily doing his best. You know what? This is a 1933 version of Lugosi, so he's still kind of hot on the Dracula thing. I think it's a solid performance. Oh, and yeah, he's It's good. a creepy movie. Again, the opening sequence alone is pretty solid. Now, you're, I'm envious of you because you've seen the opening sequence, and the only print I could manage <laughs> to catch actually was minus – is on YouTube and it's missing at least the first reel. So I've seen most of this film, but not all of it. And then Supernatural rounds out our list here again. Solid film. Really good. Cool. And I need another, I need to rewatch this before we actually vote. So you all should do that too. You know, if there's something yes. you don't really remember, check them out. Check it out. You know, I'm, I'm pretty convinced from the last set of rallies that we talked about earlier that if more people had seen Congo and more people had seen I Married a Witch, some of those votes might have changed. All right, so Best Monster, wrapping it up. Uh, The Invisible Man, I already mentioned. What a shock. Yeah, (laughs) King Kong. How do you pick between those two? I'm Oh, man. It's, that is one of the toughest choices I think we've had to make on the rallies. But I just yeah. told you what my second favorite movie of all time is. That's true. That's <laughs> so true. you may know where I'm going the same way I'll know which way you're going when the creature from the Black Lagoon comes up. Oh, yeah. It's going to sweep. I don't care what anybody else says. No. Anyway, the third monster on the best monster ballot, the vampire organism from the vampire bat. Man, it's kind of a creepy looking thing. I, I like it. This is one of those movies where it's, it's not quite what the title portrays it to be as a monster kid part of me is always like intrigued by that and another part of me is like oh man that's not the monster i thought it was so oh man this isn't brides of dracula right yeah <laughs> where the hell is dracula <laughs> if there are brides here and it's called brides of dracula where the hell is dracula 
<laughs> an ongoing sore spot with me in an otherwise brilliant film. So what 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 else we got on the best monster list here? <laughs> best monster list. Ivan Igor from Mystery of the Wax Museum. He's the monster, yeah. the, the, the the face the, behind the disfigured the sculptor dude. Yeah. There we go. Okay, you ready for the fifth entry here? This one this one somebody recommended and I thought, you know, that's that's an interesting choice. And I went and I watched some clips on YouTube and I thought, yeah, it's that's creepy. Ooh, where are we going with this one? WC Fields says Humpty Dumpty from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Did you really just do that? Yeah, no, I, I watch the clips. <laughs> no, no, There's no, I've clip. seen the it's film. It's creepy, dude. I've seen the film. That that all star Alice in Wonderland, it's amazingly creepy in a way. Which I always it is. thought Alice was kind of a disturbing story when I was when I was younger. So I can yep. totally see that. Yeah. Okay. WC yeah. Fields is looking forward to eating your children as Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> <laughs> what a bizarre little movie. Uh, yeah. You know, Cary Grant is a mock turtle. Right, yeah. Really? How that, that happen? That's what yeah. I remember. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow, very strange. All-star film. Uh, worth seeing, certainly. So one of the sure. a very trippy version of a very trippy story. Moving on to nineteen. Moving on to forty three. Forty three. Here we go. All right, we got some some interesting choices here. Starting with best actor, we're going to kick things off with Turhan Bay from the Mad Ghoul. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a, a really interesting film and a good performance there from Turhan. But, I mean. He may not be one of the patron saints that I reference all the time, but Lonchini Jr., come on. <laughs> Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, Lawrence Talbot. I'm not trying to sway people, but... No, I'm not either, know. but that's... Uh, I can't help it. It's Chaney. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what the other ones are, but I, I know where my vote's probably going at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have Bela Lugosi from The Return of the Vampire. Oh, I'd forgotten that was the same year, even though I... I know, it's really good. Oh, man. He is uh, Armin Tesla, the vampire, mm-hmm. in Return of the Vampire. And this is Lugosi's non-Dracula Dracula role. If you have not yes. seen this film, run right out and see this film, because it's really cool. And it has a werewolf in it, too. A talking werewolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a bit surprising, but it's a great makeup. And uh, mm-hmm. Lugosi gets to play Dracula by another name, and it's too bad he didn't get to do that more. Okay, the next nominee in a double role in the movie Dead Men Walk, George Zuko. As the the brother and the evil brother in yeah. a, a really a pretty darn good Poverty Row picture. He's a vampire, as I recall, right? I believe so, yeah. Uh, George Zuko is one of those people, and you know, we managed to I managed to confuse him somehow with Lionel Atwell in our last uh, our last rallies. But I always think of those guys in this kind of in the same breath. They're both really strong supporting character actors that did a lot of really, really good work in genre films that we love. It's nice to see him get the nod here as uh, as a best actor. And finally, for Best Actor, the fifth nominee is Claude Rains from Phantom of the Opera. I just watched that, rewatched that recently, and it's a really good performance by Rains. Not my favorite really Phantom is. ever. But, oh, no, no. But he's he is so good in everything he does. Again, he's one of these actors that I don't think I've ever seen him give a bad performance. Even in movies that are totally not worthy of having him in them, he's great. Agreed. He's also one of these guys who didn't like to call them horror movies. Right. These are terror pictures. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever works Whatever, for Claude. you guys. All right. Best actress. 
Louise Albritton from Son of Dracula. Cool. I, I love this character and I love her performance in that film. Yeah, I need to rewatch that sometime really soon. So it's not Cheney Jr.'s best portrayal, I don't think. You know, but it, it's not as bad as people say it is. No, I it's think not. it's it's very interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean you might wish that it was Bela or even John Carradine in the role, but it's really on the other hand, it's really cool that Lon Chaney Jr. got to play all of those roles. So yes. points for mm-hmm. that. So anyway, we're talking about her here and the solid performance. Aquanetta from Captive Wild Woman. Yeah, the Ape Woman, which mm-hmm. is a this is a, a very cool and kind of disturbing movie as well. And it had two sequels to it as well. So now we're in the Valute portion of the ballot with Francis <laughs> D from I Walk with a Zombie and Kim Hunter from The Seventh Victim. Oh, and those are both really strong. Really yeah. strong performances. And that is the Kim Hunter that later would be in Planet of the Apes. Yep. So, and she's terrific in this. And we're going to round it out with Frida Inescourt from The Return of the Vampire. Awesome. Which role is she, Derek? Is- she is not the victim. Okay. Is she the, the older woman who's kind yeah. of like the Van Helsing character? Yes. Yeah, I love that role. I love yeah, that Yeah, me role. too. One of my absolute favorites. Yep. Yeah, yeah, she's fabulous in that film, and it's a, it's kind of a an unexpected role for a woman character from that time period, and that's one of the reasons I love it so much. Agreed. Let's see how best director shook out. You ready for Lou Anders, the director of The Return of the Vampire? Good film. Solid film. Good Solid film. film. Yeah, it's it's one of those films that if you didn't know better, you'd think it was a universal film, but it's not. It's Columbia Pictures, as I recall. The second nominee for Best Director is Roy William Neal, the director of Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Which is, I love that movie. I love it. I know I keep talking about opening sequences, but the opening sequence of this, the resurrection of Lon Chaney's uh, Lawrence Talbot. It's fabulous. Mm. And I even love the musical sequence in it. Yes. It's probably my favorite musical sequence ever in a monster movie. I know that may seem like damning with faint praise, but it makes me want to sing along. And then it makes me want to scream the same way Lon Chaney Jr. Screams at the end of it as Larry Talbot just cannot take all this joy and jollity when all he wants <laughs> yeah. is to die. So great film. I assume they do it every year, but at monster bash, when I went a couple years ago, they open up the bash with this. They play the sequence on the screen, and it's a big sing-along, and it's wonderful. That's really awesome. One of these years, I'm going to get out there. Not sure 2017 is the year, but uh, sometime I will. Next director, Arthur Lubin, director of Phantom of the Opera. Talk about having a hard job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shooting in some of the same sets as the original. Man. In Technicolor with sound. The sound has been restored on the latest prints of that. There was, uh, mm-hmm. even on the, the original DVD edition, I thought the sound was very wobbly, and I just did that. That's not an error in the machine. There was, you worried me there for a minute, man. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> especially, especially noticeable in the, the musical numbers. Uh, yes. I thought in, in the original, but apparently they've fixed all that in the recent Blu-ray restoration. So, yay. Good for them. The next nominee is Robert Siodmak, the director of Son of Dracula. A fine film. What what mm-hmm. more can you say? We talked about it a little bit earlier. Universal, at, at this point, Universal was really on top of their game. So all of yeah, these nominees, I think, so far have been Universal Pictures. And they're all really solid pictures. All right, and then finally, 
Let's bring in some Val Luton. Let's talk about Jacques Tournoir's directing of I Walked with a Zombie. Oh. <laughs> so good. Uh, so good. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the all-time classic zombie movies. You Basically, yep. if you're grabbing early zombie movies, you want White Zombie, and then you want I Walked with a Zombie, and then you can jump ahead a few years to the next one. So I don't know. We're going to see another zombie movie turn up in, in the next category here for best movie. Oh, yeah? Awesome. Oh, yeah. Maybe, I'm, maybe right. I'm misremembered. See, this is the joy of not having the list in front of me. I'm still staring <laughs> at the rallies from 1942, folks. <laughs> okay. So best movie. We've already talked about a couple of these. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Oh. Come on. You know, I walked with a zombie. Awesome film. The Return of the Vampire. An awesome film. Son of Dracula's in here. Very good film. And then the fifth. You know what? A couple people mentioned this, and I'm glad they did when I was reaching out for some nominee ideas. Mm. I really like Revenge of the Zombies, and that's going to be on here as well. Revenge this is a John Carradine film. Uh, you know, I'm confusing. Is that the one that has Mantan Moreland in it, or is that a different one? I think he's in a couple of them. Aren't oh, he could be. Mantan Moreland is one of my favorite comic actors from the time. You do have Mantan Moreland in this. John Carradine is the, the evil doctor making the zombies. Uh, you've got Gail Storm is one of the leads, Robert Lowry. You know, the... the other performances in here aren't really super over the top noteworthy. Okay? Right. Uh, but Carradine is always fascinating to watch. It was really a struggle for me to not include him earlier on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Well, if you'd been me, you'd probably put Mantan Moreland on it because I will watch yeah. entire films from Mantan Moreland. I don't think, have we talked about Mantan before? He was we in haven't a, talked too much about him. He was in a, 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 a lot of the Charlie Chan movies as the chauffeur. An interesting fact about Mantan is Mantan's a black guy, and he was actually on the short list to become the third stooge when Curly couldn't be in the Three Stooges anymore. And I think it was probably only the times that kept him from becoming the third stooge in the Three Stooges. How interesting would that have been? It would have been, honestly, he was far funnier than any of the people that they replaced Curly with. Oh, come on. Nobody's better than Curly Joe. (laughs) It's funny, when I was a kid, I couldn't actually tell all those guys apart. And now it's just so <laughs> obvious to me. Yeah, but yeah. Mantan would have been, he he was the best choice. It's sad that that didn't happen. He was a great, great comic actor. All right, best monster, you ready? Here we go. Oh. I think this shouldn't be a surprise for some folks. We've already talked about Armin Tesla. So we got to have him on the list. This is Lugosi's vampire. Dracula by any other name. He is awesome. Pretty much. Pretty much. Carrefour, the zombie from I Walked with a Zombie. An iconic performance. It's really creepy. Iconic visual. Yeah. Wow. When you look up zombie online, chances are that's the first picture that's going to come up is of him. All right. We also have the Phantom, Eric Claudine from Phantom of the Opera. Right. Uh, We can't have a Frankenstein movie on the list without having Frankenstein's monster on the list. This one played by Bela Lugosi, as I recall. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. And a, a good performance, an underrated performance. Uh, you know, it really is underrated. And I think I've kind of ranted about this a little bit years ago in an old version of the e-newsletter. Universal kind of established that the look makes the personality in another Lugosi-Karloff film. Was it the Black? No, it wasn't the Black. It was the Raven. 
Right. Where Karloff is the disfigured killer. Right, yeah. And, and well, he's disfigured because Bela Lugosi has, has operated on him to change his face and instead actually makes him a, a disfigured so he can control him. Basically, the, the theory is that if you look ugly, you act ugly. Right. right? So your, your look kind of dictates how your brain works, and I would assume vice versa. So we have Bela Lugosi's Igor brain in the Frankenstein's monster, so now he looks like Bela Lugosi. So. <laughs> I'm thinking we might have at least one more monster here, though. We, we do, and it's another one from Frankenstein meets the monster, or Frankenstein meets the monster, Frankenstein meets the wolfman. It's, uh, it's Lon Chaney, Lawrence Talbot, man. The wolfman. Yeah, and his, definitely. And in his second... Of five iconic appearances. Man, the Wolfman is one of my favorite monsters, period. He's right up there with King Kong, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Godzilla. The Wolfman's probably number number four, I don't know. I, it might be three, depending upon how I feel on any given day. But he's one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite monsters of all time. And that is pretty much not the makeup only that makes the wolf man. Oh no, you can't you can't do it without lawn without lawn. I mean he is right. Lawrence Talbot. There you go. All right. So we'll move on to nineteen fifty three where things get really interesting because you've got some more sci fi happening. You've got some Harryhausen happening. Got a little bit of hammer happening. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating category and I'm eager to hear your response on some of this. And so. after nineteen fifty two the worst fantasy science fiction and horror genre year ever in the movies we get yeah. 1953 and it's just like boom our brains explode and we're free free <laughs> all right let's start with best actor we got lou Ayres from donovan's brain a great film and a creepy it's film creepy amazingly creepy and he's terrific as the doctor who becomes donovan we have gene barry the war of the worlds classic sci-fi one of my favorite pictures of all time i love that film growing up i still love that film he is terrific in it when you think of a scientist in a classic science fiction film chances are you're thinking of someone like him if not him specifically all right so this next actor did a couple of movies this year but i decided (laughs) because it's my show (laughs) i decided that we're going to nominate richard carlson for his performance in the maze interesting yeah. That's a film that's hard to see. It's unfortunately, yes, but I feel like his performance in this is so much stronger than it came from outer space. Interesting. Maybe, uh, you know, I have to rewatch that again. I it hasn't been shown on television for a long time. I think the copy I have came off American Movie Classics back before they went commercial. And yeah. is it available? It might be available on one of these Warner Archives they'll burn it for you discs but it's it's an interesting kind of lovecraftian story without exactly without actual yeah. lovecraft yeah he plays the tortured hero very well in this i feel like which i think gives him more range which is why i picked him for the maze versus a couple of the other movies he did this year okay all right uh back, back to the category here we have cecil Kellaway back in the valleys again this time for the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms yeah yeah in the the great mad scientist professor well mad scientist in the in the fact he's an eccentric scientist slash professor character who goes looking for the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms it's a great role he's great in it 
And I mentioned this earlier, so if you were paying attention, you know that Vincent Price is on the ballot this year for his performance in House of Wax, and what a deliciously evil guy. Man, so fun. I think when you think Vincent Price, classic sci-fi horror, this is one of the things you go to. Right. This is one of his performances, and it's probably, is this his first? Well, it's probably chronologically his first mention in the rallies, though, because we're doing 10-year segments. I think Has so. Has he appeared before yeah. at all? Maybe not, because we're so. not doing the 60s, right? At yeah, least, I don't think so. At least yeah, we're not yet. doing the 60s yet. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a classic performance by Vincent recreating the classic Lionel Atwell performance from mm-hmm. uh, 10 years? No, 20 years earlier. And making it his own and... Yep. Just such a great, great performance and, and wonderful character. Right. By a great actor. So best actress. I mentioned Hammer. You did. You've got Barbara Payton from Four-Sided Triangle. Which I still haven't watched. No, really? No. it's It's been on my to-watch list for ages, and I think you did it on 1951 Down Place, didn't you guys? We did. For a long time, Four-Sided Triangle was kind of like the running joke. Right. The, the movie that Scott always threatened to put on the list of movies we're going to watch. Right, yeah. We finally watched it, and it turned out to be no joke. <laughs> There's a lot of really cool stuff in that film. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to watching it. Okay. All right, so we got to go back to Harry House, and we've got Paula Raymond from The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. She's a... Got to have that. Yeah, the... Lady scientist, terrific role. Mm-hmm. It's the 1950s. We start to see women in better roles now, and this is one of them. She's terrific in it. We have an actress who recreated her role from this film in a 1980s TV series. We have Anne Robinson from The War of the Worlds. Oh, cool. I did not remember that. Was that the the reboot of the War of the Worlds series? Was that the 1980s? Yeah, I believe it was in the 80s, and the premise of the series was that the World of the Worlds happened, and this was a follow-up like 30 years later, and Anne Robinson returns right? Yeah, for like three I, or four episodes. I'd totally forgotten that. I actually have that series on DVD, and I'll have to watch it. She is terrific in this film, which is, a, yeah, she is. an end-to-end terrific film, and I assume we're going to talk about it more in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Barbara Rush. It came from outer space. Another fine performance, and at one point we'll remind you of a performance from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, too. So she gets to do a little bit of the good girl, bad girl thing. And again, a terrific film. Those of you that haven't seen it, it is available very cheaply on Blu-ray. At one point it was a Best Buy exclusive, but I think you probably get it other places now. So it came from outer space. Highly recommended. And then finally, rounding it out, Helen Westcott. Abbott and Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's a lot of fun, that film. A whole lot of fun. Yeah, and, you know, even though you'll never convince me that's actually Boris under the makeup. <laughs> oh, no. No, it can't be. It can't be. No. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Best Director here. We, <laughs> we talked about it. It came from outer space. Let's talk about it again. Jack Arnold. When you think Universal, and maybe not even just Universal, because he did work for other studios, but 50s sci-fi. Jack Arnold was your go-to guy that came from outer space, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and countless others. Yep. The Incredible Shrinking Man, I think. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Creature. Yeah. He was, the Space Children. He was just so many films. brilliant, brilliant science fiction horror director. No surprise there. And then a man who directed a 3D film, even though he only had sight in one eye. Can you can you believe this? <laughs> That's insane. Andre de Toth, I believe it's how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. for House of Wax. Not only... Did he direct a 3D film with only one eye, which means you can't see in 3D, but he directed one of the best all-time 3D films 
without being able to see 3D. In fact, in my personal list of great 3D films, I would say House of Wax is right up there with the, the original Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I think is the best 3D movie ever made. And it's also up with more modern things. Like, I think Avatar was the 3D, and that was great. I think the 3D work he did in House of Wax is equal to that. Yeah. yeah. Great work. Felix E. Feist, the director of Donovan's Brain. Awesome. He directed, I think, did he direct Deluge 2, maybe? I just saw something that he he directed, and I think that might be it. Donovan's Brain is a terrific film. Those of you that haven't seen it, it's well worth seeing. Another science fiction classic that I am talking with somebody about, talking about here on the show in the future sometime this year, the director of Invaders from Mars, William Cameron Menzies. Kind of an out-of-the-blue picture and just a great film and uh, one of my favorites. You know, when I was uh, recommending things for 1953, I was like, oh my God, I love this picture. Oh my God, I love this picture. Oh my God, I love this picture. You weren't alone. That was the response that I got from a handful of people, just, or like two or three of the people. I was like, man, can you just have more nominees? Like, I don't want to go more than five. Right, wow, yeah. yeah. You could probably put it's tough. 10 in some of these categories because mm-hmm. 1953 was just that strong. Maybe they all got, here's, here's my new theory, okay? They all were scheduled to come out in 1952, but production <laughs> bumped them into the next year. How about that? What do you think? Either that or they all got together and was like, what were we thinking last year? Let's <laughs> let's actually make some good movies this year. Yeah. <laughs> all right, final nominee for Best Director. Uh, and, and this is a personal favorite of my own, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I kind of pushed for this one myself. I really like the movie The Magnetic Monster, and it was directed oh. by Kurt Siadmek. It's another Richard Carlson film. It's the first of three OSI, Office of Scientific Investigation, films. It's on Blu-ray right now. People need to check it out. I always forget that's kind of part of a series. You're going to have to put a list up on Monster Kid Radio of what those three films are, because I never remember it. I want to do an episode on the OSI, so that'll, that'll be happening. Let's put that down for sometime this year, listeners. We'll make it happen. Cool. And that's it's a good film. Although I'm thinking, did you pass over War of the Worlds for Best Director? I did. Oh, I did. I know. I know. What? So here's the thing. And I was going to mention thinking? this at the end. Every category has an other. So oh, there you, you know, go. If, so if, if I blew it, if I blew it, and there's something that you think needs to be on here, there is an other category. So. Oh, so we, but, I, but I did skip over War of the Worlds. We can I did. write one in. You can. So I'm going to give War of the Worlds some love for the directing because it's brilliant. So okay. there you go. Well, it is up for best movie. Yeah, I'll give you I, that. It better be. <laughs> <laughs> it is up for best movie right. alongside some of the other movies we've mentioned already. Donovan's Brain, House of Wax, uh, Invaders from Mars, and it came from outer space. There you go. Okay. Final category. Best monster. Here we go. Got to have the Martians from War of the Worlds. Yep. Got to. Yeah. Got to creepy weird looking nothing like they're described in the book three eyes and spindly fingers and ooh when they scream it's bone chilling gotta have professor henry jared from house of wax vincent price's character yep yeah he got nominated as a monster in the in the previous rallies as well <laughs> yeah. different yeah, name yeah, same, same character yeah, same sculptor yeah, yeah and uh, brilliant great makeup for the yes part. yeah the Beast from The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Oh, one of my favorite monsters. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, this is where it starts to get really tough because it's Harryhausen. <laughs> it's Harryhausen. It's Harryhausen. Right? It's Harryhausen's first solo film. 
and it's the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, without which we have no kaiju at all. Because it was the beast from 20,000 Fathoms that inspired Godzilla, and we all know where we went from there. See, I always trace it all the way back to King Kong, because without King Kong, you don't have a young Harry House and right. his mind being blown. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, anyway, but it was the yeah. piece from 20,000 Fathoms that started the entire giant monster craze in Japan. Right. Although inspired as well by King Kong. So they were aware they just couldn't afford the stop motion. There's one stop motion shot in the original Godzilla, and that's it. Right, yeah. It is just a tail. The tail wagging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and it looks good. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's too bad. Anyway. They didn't yeah. have the, uh, the technology, so we ended up with uh, all these wonderful rubber suits. Suitmation for the wind, man. So love me some suitmation. The beast from twenty thousand fathoms, the father of Godzilla. All right, we have the aliens from it came from outer space, and these guys are creepy. Yeah, when when they're not in human form, when they're not in human right, form, right? Yeah, they, it's called them the xenomorph, I think, and they're mm-hmm. kind of a cloudy, weird thing with one eye and very, very, like very cloudy jellyfish-looking kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, awesome, very, very yeah. nice monster, and. You can't talk about 1950s monsters without thinking about Roman from Robot Monster. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if he was going to make the list. I think oh, there, he's got to. There are probably better monsters <laughs> that could have made the list than Roman, but few more iconic monsters than Roman. The come on, ape, man! It's, the it's ape, Roman. <laughs> the ape suit with the fishbowl head and the antenna and single eye. <laughs> Wow. I've seen the movie in 3D, by the way. (laughs) Oh, I'm so jealous. The bubble effects are fantastic. The first time I saw this film was uh, was actually in the theater, as I recall, and was not in 3D, I don't think, at that point. And for about the first 10 minutes of the film, it seems like it's going to be a pretty standard, almost Roger Corman-style 1950s science fiction epic about people surviving after after an atomic blast, right? And then it just goes completely south. <laughs> well, it's it's a child's dream. It's Right, yeah. It's more you know, one of these movies. <laughs> it's got some odd perspective violations, if that's the case. But, you know, it, it really is such a, a weird kind of wacky yeah. child surrealistic dream. It is a surrealistic picture. With a fantastic monster. <laughs> I mean... As much as it's a kid's dream, you've got this monster running around saying things like, show yourselves, and I promise you a painless death. Right. Come on. Can you hear that threatening line from a guy in a gorilla suit and a diving mask? <laughs> yeah, you can definitely, definitely hear that. You know, and it's it's iconic in, in terms of illustrations. It shows up. I, I think my, my friend Mitch O'Connell, who does a lot of illustrations for fantasy and science fiction things and it's, you'd know his work if you've seen it i'm sure he's drawn the robot monster hundred and some times it just yeah. uh, you could probably get it as a tattoo if you want it it's uh, that iconic it is i don't know if it it's is. gonna get my vote but it's an iconic monster for sure i, I often joke with brenda that you know I, I go to conventions and especially the comic book conventions you see all the people walking around in cosplay i'm thinking that that's cool i don't have the guts to do that mm-hmm. but i would dress up as roman in a minute <laughs> <laughs> nobody know what the heck i am i don't care <laughs> how hard oh people would know people know it's that <laughs> iconic people would know so oh man so that's that's the rallies wow. for 33 43 53 we got through it we did 
And God willing, the technology will not eat our podcast again. No, everything looks good to me here. Now, there is one thing that I wanted to ask you about, Steve, uh-huh. because we are going to start running into the era of the kaiju films. Uh-huh. Okay. So, you know, as many listeners know, at least at the beginning, a lot of the kaiju films, Godzilla, Rodan, Varan, got released in Japan, but then got re-released over here with different footage, even Gamera. And recut. Yeah. And recut different music cues sometimes. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla is going to be one of those as well, potentially. And these movies were released sometimes in different years. Yes. So do we delineate between Godzilla or Gojira and Godzilla King of the Monsters? Boy, that's a tough one. I think we have to. Because yeah, I, I, I love both Gojira and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. But they are two different films. Yeah, King of the Monsters was released here in 56, but Gojira, the original, was released in 54 in Japan. So does it turn back up on the ballot? I, Steve says, yay. I don't know where I think. Listeners, I'm going to put a space on the ballot of this year's rallies for your thoughts on that. What, what do you think? Should we say they're two different movies? And if we just say they're one movie, which one do we go with? The original release or the American release? I would always go um, if, in terms of that i would always go with the original release because while godzilla king of the monsters is a fun movie in its own right i don't think it's as good as godzilla and i i don't know if any of you who've watched godzilla raids again the second godzilla film or gigantus the fire monster gigantus the fire monster whatever they're calling it versus i think it was just the return of godzilla in japan but if you've watched that film you know that the original film is actually good, and the American recut of it, it's not a terrible film. It's still watchable, certainly, but it's not nearly as good a film. And I think if we don't – if we're not including both, if we don't include the originals, I think we're doing a disservice to the original creators of the films. That's my thoughts. But y'all get to vote. Y'all get to yeah, vote. Yeah, I want to hear what you guys think because next year is the year of Godzilla. It so is. we'll find out. It's going to be a tough year uh, with Godzilla and a few other movies from the 50s. But it wasn't just Godzilla. Gamera had the same issue, although Gamera came out in the 60s and we're not really quite there yet. Yep. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we're going to have to start including the 60s years in some of the You know, because there was so much in the 60s, I'm thinking we could probably get away with just doing the 60s on their own after we get through the 30s, 40s, and 50s. do like three years in the 60s, 60s, 61, 62. Right. That's kind of what I was thinking. That's not a bad idea. Eventually, that'll be down the line. Yeah. Which means you've got plenty of years of Monster Kid Radio left, so so I I can't stop the show until we get to that point, right? (laughs) Can't. Got to get all the way through 1969. Oh, God. That's another six, seven, eight years, man. Yeah. Darn. I'm good with that. All right, Steve, I want to thank you for being part of the rallies this year again, as always. And we are going to get back together much sooner <laughs> to go over the winners because we're not going to have this technology problem no, we're anymore. Not. Never, ever again. He's got a link to his website over on our website at monsterkidradio.net. But if you don't want to head over there, you can just go straight to sdsullivan.com to find out everything you need to know about what Steve's got cooking. He's the author behind Daikaiju Attack, White Zombie, the award-winning Monos, The Hands of Fate, Canoe Cops versus the Mummy, and then, of course, the ongoing Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors, which you can find by going to www.cushinghorrors.com. 
Com. Steve, we'll be back on the show. First of all, he and I are going to be talking about Curse of the Crimson Altar here in the near future, and that'll end up on the show at some point. But then, of course, once we are done collecting the ballots for the rally, Steve and I will get back together and announce the winners. When is the deadline for the rally awards? Well, let's give it a month. The deadline for your ballot is June 30th, 2017. So to get to the ballot, head over to tinyurl.com slash rallies 2017 that's r-a-l-l-i-e-s 2017 i'll make sure there is a link in the show notes to this after june 30th steve and i will get back together and announce the winners i say there are things better left unsolved knows what waits for us in nature's no man's land. Impossible, unbelievable, fantastic, but I tell you it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Yes, it could happen. For various authorities believe that buried somewhere under the polar ice cap, in a state of suspended animation, are the awesome creatures the leviathans that roamed the earth at the dawn of time. And under certain conditions, a nuclear explosion could free one from his icy tomb. Then, guided by instinct, the beast would come back, back to the caverns of the deepest Atlantic where it was spawned. An armored giant, wreaking his prehistoric fury on modern man and his puny machines. Cities would be terrorized by the cruel intruder from the past. Populations crazed and panicked with fear by its destructive force. Granite and steel would crumble. Soldiers and their weapons would be powerless before the onslaught of the beast. The beast. The beast. The beast from 20,000 fathoms. Herald Square, 34th Street, Broadway. Every section of the city is guarded. No one knows where the monster will strike next. Another one, Colonel? No. You know what the radioactive isotope is? No, but if it can be loaded, I can fire it. I'll load it. Just remember one thing. This is the only isotope of its kind this side of Oak Ridge, so you can't miss. in entertainment in one superb show. Here is matchless story, suspenseful, terrifying, never so thrillingly presented. Here in breathtaking technicolor is superb spectacle and splendor and romance. Here is a chorus of a hundred voices, a ballet of a hundred dancers, a cast of a thousand, starring Nelson Eddy in his most vigorous performance, lovely Susanna Foster, and Claude Rains in the most coveted role of the year as the Phantom of the Opera. 
My music, you've stolen it! You've stolen my music! She got into a hole of a funny old bunny and down, down, down she slid. Of course you understand, the girl was Alice and little Alice, as thrilled she could be. The place was Wonderland, where even rabbits have human habits, the land of Tweedledum and Tweedledee. In the kitchen was an ugly cook and a duchess with an ugly look. And the Duchess had a baby that was turned into a pig And the cook was a bear when she flung kitchenware Alice even saw their queen But she didn't even dare to call If you whispered when the queen made a ruling No fooling, she'd have your head chopped off But ever was a scene So topsy-turvy But she was nervy and didn't even scream But she was made a queen and had a palace, and little Alice awoke and found a wonderland a dream. We have a couple of announcements about the future of Monster Kid Radio. 
why don't we talk about the upcoming schedule as of right now? And this is what's scheduled for the show next week for episode 321. We're going to be doing a feedback episode. I've got a voicemail or two, some emails, some Facebook comments. I'm going to turn that episode into a feedback episode and just address all of that, go through it. I love feedback. So if you have any that you want to get in on next week's show, well, email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call in a voicemail line at 503-479-5657. That's uh, 503-479-5MKR. So that's next week, the week after that. I've got somebody on the show that I've been wanting to have on Monster Kid Radio in a very, very long time. A podcast luminary. One of the men behind the B-movie cast, Nick Brown, will be joining Monster Kid Radio with his wife, Fiona. We're going to be talking about an upcoming or ongoing book project that they've got in the works. The week after that, we've got Tim Durbin coming on the show. Tim is the man behind the blog, Viewing the Classics. You can find that at viewingtheclassics.blogspot.com. And we're going to be talking about one of his absolute favorite films and one that I kind of dig too. We're going to be talking about The Most Dangerous Game. After that, we have another author coming on the show, another new voice, a man by the name of Kevin Scott Collier. He is the author behind the book, The Robot Monster Diaries, and a handful of other books relevant to us monster kids and a few books that you know, are outside of our wheelhouse. We're going to be talking to him as well. That's what's coming up over the next few weeks of Monster Kid Radio. The big announcement, though, and this is something that's happening in about a month as well. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I posted a picture of an envelope on Instagram. It had a few monsters around it. I had a, a sticky note on it covering the address so you couldn't see who it was from. And I asked you the question, what's in this envelope? Well, I'm going to announce what's in this envelope right now. Let's get it opened up. I haven't even opened it up yet, so I hope what I hope is in here is is actually in here. Exciting podcasting, I know. Here's what we got. We have my official confirmation for the 2017 Monster Bash Classic Monster Movie Conference. I will be there. Now, I'm going to be there as a guest. I'm not going there in any kind of official capacity, but you know that doesn't mean I'm not ringing my recorder. I'm going to be recording a lot of content for Monster Kid Radio while I'm there, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys and gals, but I'm also looking forward to meeting anybody who's going to be at the Monster Bash this year. I've been to the Monster Bash a couple of years ago. You can check the archives at monsterkidradio.net to find the episodes covering that, and that was a lot of fun, and I've been wanting to go back ever since. Those of you who don't know what the Monster Bash is, you can head over to monsterbashnews.com to learn all about it. You can look them up on Facebook as well. Monster Bash is the premier classic horror movie convention. This is the 20th year. It's taking place June 23rd, 24th, and 25th. You can also check the archives to find the episode that I did with Ron Adams, the man who founded the Monster Bash. This is an exciting time. If you can get there... Man, I highly recommend it. And as far as I know, you can still buy tickets. $25 a day to get in or three-day admissions are $55. The hotel is sold out, but there are some hotels around the area. And I know a lot of you guys and gals are going to be going. I'd like to take a second to talk about how I'm getting there. And I know some of you guys and gals already know I've been wanting to go to this one for a while. It's the 20th anniversary. It's a big deal. And I know there are a lot of people that are going to be there that I've been in communications with. The plan was always for me to go. However, with everything that happened this year with my brother passing on and everything else, it just didn't look like it was in the cards. It just wasn't going to happen. And I 
told some of the people that I was planning on meeting there that it wasn't going to happen. And one of them stepped up and said, this will not stand. Jeff Owens, the man behind the Classic Club website, one of the co-producers of the Classic Horrors Club podcast, reached out to me and he's making it happen. He's putting together a way for me to get to Monster Bash, and he's not doing it by himself. His co-host at the Classic Horrors Club and the Monster Movie Kid himself, Rich Chamberlain, is also involved. And I want to say special thanks to Jeff and Rich for making this happen. Again, with everything that's been going on, I'm touched, I'm honored, and I'm humbled. And I'm really looking forward to meeting Jeff and Rich in person. I've never met him before, and I've got hugs that have been building up for a while that I just can't wait to unleash on those two and anybody else who's going to be there. I had no idea this was going to happen. So when Jeff told me he was doing this, I was just, yeah, speechless. And that is also the best kind of podcasting ever. So anyway... Jeff is the person who's spearheading all of this, and if you want to help Jeff out, you can reach out to him on Facebook, and he'll be posting something in the Monster Kid Radio Facebook group as well. Again, thank you so much to Jeff and Rich for leading the charge on making this happen, and when it's all said and done and I get a list of everybody that was involved in this, well, I'm going to give you a shout out here on the show, and if you're going to be at the bash, I got one of those hugs for you too. Unless you're not a hugger, then we'll just do like a hearty monster handshake or something. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Again, thanks to Steve for being part of the rallies. And actually, it was his drive to finally make the rallies happen. And like I said, I wanted to kind of throw in the towel when the technology failed us. And he didn't let me. So thank you, Steve, for you know, being that guy to kind of prod me along so that we can do it. Again, stsullivan.com is where you're going to want to go to find everything about Steve. And again, big thanks to Jeff Owens for spearheading this charge to get me to Monster Bash. It means so much to me. I'm humbled. I'm on, you know, I already said that. I'm going to keep saying it, though. Thank you. It means so much. And if you listeners want to help Jeff make all of this happen, help him out, drop him a line. He's on Facebook. And again, thanks, everybody, who's listening to the show right now. MonsterKidRadio.net is where you're going to find everything you want to know about Monster Kid Radio. Between episodes, we have links to every single band that's appeared here on the show. We have a link to our letterboxed page where you can see every movie we've talked about here on the show. And our contact information is there. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is where you can send me an email or a recording of your own. Or you can send me a voicemail at 503-479-5657. It's 503-4795-MKR. Remember, next week is the big feedback episode. We're going to be doing a lot of feedback, and we're going to be talking a little bit about what's coming up with Universal. They finally announced what they're calling their shared universe, Dark Universe, with The Mummy coming up here in a few weeks. I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. I would love to hear your feedback on the sizzle reel that they've put together with music by Danny Elfman. And just any other thoughts you might have about the upcoming Dark Universe. I do find it interesting that the next film is not The Invisible Man, as we all kind of sort of thought. It's actually going to be The Bride of Frankenstein. So that could be interesting. I mean, I like the guy they have involved with directing that. You know, we're going to talk about that next week along with your feedback. Between now and then, though, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives. <gasps> 3.0 unported license. Of course, it doesn't apply to the song Kashyyyk Beach Party. That is from the album. Meanwhile, in Mallorca, it's from the band Hattori Hanzo Surf Experience. They're a surf band out of Spain, and you can find them at Hattori Hanzo Surf Experience.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes. Pick up the album for seven euros and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody next week. 
Ciao.